Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is April 29th, 2019. Listen up. Give me a go, no go for launch. Booster, go. Retro, go. Fido, or go. Guidance, guidance, go. Surgeon, go flight. Inco, go. FAO, we are go. Network, go. Recovery, go. Capcom, we are go flight. Launch control, this is Houston. We are go for launch. Seconds later, the giant F1 engines roar to life. The gantry bridges swing back. Great slabs of ice chatter and fall from the sides of the rocket, and the Saturn V hurtles into the heavens. For those too young to have seen the movie Apollo 13, never mind remember the actual events, I'll leave it there. Suffice to say, all systems weren't actually go for launch, which made for some drama later on. However, the reason I bring it up is because the week ahead we'll see a flood of data, which will amount to an all-systems check on the investment environment. The numbers are likely to be positive. However, for investors, this should not be seen as a go-for-market launch, but rather as a cautious okay for a more pedestrian advance. So, starting from the top, economic growth. The 3.2% GDP gain registered for the first quarter was much stronger than had been expected a few weeks ago. However, much of the growth was due to gains in the volatile inventory and international trade categories, with final sales to domestic purchasers rising by a much more modest 1.4%. These trade and inventory gains are very likely to be at least partially reversed in the second quarter. In addition, March data due out this week on real consumer spending, construction activity, international trade in goods, and wholesale and retail inventories could result in a downward adjustment to first quarter GDP estimates. Meanwhile, industry reports suggest that April light vehicle sales will be weaker than in March, and U.S. purchasing manager surveys should show little movement in either direction. Lower-than-expected income tax refunds and higher annual payments could sap consumer momentum, as could recent increases in gasoline prices. Overall, at this stage, it appears that growth could slow to roughly 1% in the second quarter before rebounding to 2% for the second half of the year. Jobs. This week, we'll see the release of the April employment report. Our models are suggesting roughly 170,000 payroll jobs added, with the unemployment rate falling to 3.7%. While 3.7% would tie the lowest unemployment rate recorded since 1969, it's worth noting that the unemployment rate was just 3.9% in April of last year, so the pace of decline in unemployment has clearly slowed. While labour force growth is still outpacing the growth of the working age population, the retirement of the baby boom generation and a slowdown in legal immigration is likely having some dragging effect on overall job growth. Importantly for markets, wage growth still seems relatively moderate, a theme that should be reinforced, both by data on average hourly earnings for April and by the Employment Cost Index, due out on Tuesday. Profits. Solid GDP growth in the first quarter, combined with slower gains in employment, should boost non-farm business productivity for the first quarter to 2.3% year-over-year, its strongest gain since 2010. In addition, still relatively mild wage growth should limit the gain in unit labour costs to just 0.2%, its slowest pace in four years. This suggests companies may be able to sustain positive profit growth in the quarters ahead, as businesses are continuing to restrain labour costs. 164 S&P 500 companies are set to report their first quarter earnings this week. 
It has been a challenging quarter in terms of comps, as the first quarter of 2018 was the first quarter where companies could take advantage of the lower corporate tax rate and other tax breaks from the 2017 Tax Act. In addition, the first quarter of 2019 featured a sharp year-over-year increase in the dollar and a year-over-year decline in oil prices. Despite all of this, it now appears that S&P 500 operating earnings per share will see a small year-over-year increase in the first quarter. With just over 50% of market cap reporting on Friday morning, 78% of firms had beaten analyst earnings estimates. Even with moderate economic growth, year-over-year profit growth should stay positive for the first three quarters of this year before popping higher on easier comparisons in the fourth quarter. Inflation. Numbers due out this week should also suggest low inflation. On Monday, the Commerce Department released the March consumption deflator numbers, along with February data that were delayed by the government shutdown. Based on the quarterly average numbers that were released on Friday, it now looks like the March year-over-year increase in the headline consumption deflator could be as low as 1.5%, and even more importantly, the March core consumption deflator could be as low as 1.6% year-over-year. We already know that energy prices will boost overall inflation in the spring. However, it appears that the weakness in core inflation is so pronounced that it's still unlikely that the headline consumption deflator will hit the Fed's target of 2% year-over-year growth before November 2019, at the earliest. And global. The week ahead should see a further relaxation of the recent angst about international economies. In particular, flash manufacturing purchasing manager data for Japan and the Eurozone both showed small gains for April, and if this is accompanied by a small gain in China, it will be further evidence that the slowdown in global manufacturing is now ebbing. In addition, GDP data for the Eurozone, due out on Tuesday, should confirm economic growth of between 1.5% and 2% annualized for the first quarter, compared to less than 1% in the second half of 2018. Finally, the Eurozone unemployment rate for March, also due out on Tuesday, could fall to 7.7%, which would be its lowest since November of 2008. While elections and political issues continue to impede global growth, the risk of a serious global slowdown appears to be receding. Finally, the Federal Reserve will be holding its third FOMC meeting of the year this week, with a statement and a J-PAL press conference scheduled for Wednesday afternoon. In retrospect, If the Fed had known that real GDP growth would exceed 3% in the first quarter and that the S&P 500 would be up 17% year-to-date, they might have been slower to definitively pause the tightening cycle in January. However, what's done is done, and Jay Powell will likely highlight still very low inflation in justifying the Fed's current position. While the Fed will take some flack from hawks who feel that they are ignoring building asset bubbles and politicians who always like lower rates, The message from the Fed this week will very likely be one of policy on hold for a considerable period of time. As a rundown, it sounds like all systems go. However, investors should remember that a calm environment has already allowed asset prices to rise. Overnight rates just above the rate of inflation imply very low real returns on cash. And investors are generally not being paid for taking duration or credit risks in fixed income markets. On the equity side, the Ford PE on the S&P 500 is 16.9 times, only moderately above its 25-year average of 16.2 times, but still high, given current high margins and limited scope for growth in either economic activity or earnings. There are areas within U.S. equity markets where stocks look cheaper, such as financials, healthcare stocks, and small-cap value. There are also opportunities overseas, where broad stock market averages sell at a substantial discount to the U.S. counterparts. Moreover, given the apparent lack of macro landmines, investors could continue to funnel money into U.S. equities in general, causing them to rise faster than the fundamentals would seem to justify. However, given valuations, it makes sense for investors to be very broadly diversified and somewhat conservative relative to recent years.
It's worth remembering that the most memorable quote from Apollo 13 was not, we are go for launch. It was, Houston, we have a problem. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.